0: Welcome back to another episode of Council Cast, the Jedi Council podcast. This is Brandon Saxton.
1: Hi, it's Katie Gordon.
0: And thanks for listening, in. and and uh, you know, just thanks for being part of this fun adventure that we've been on, and and this this great project. It's been a lot of fun.
1: Yeah, it's been six months since we started Jedi Council.
0: It has, yeah. So that's pretty awesome. Congratulations yes. to us. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, we're do- we're doing something cool. So I'm going to pat myself on the back. <laughs> so a few things. So. Recent news, recent news. I know one thing that. So, I guess maybe just one thing to say, alright, is we've already done this episode. <laughs> and it was eaten by a computer. Or a computer error, perhaps, is a better way to describe it. So, this is take two, so we're going to have twice as many goofs. And twice as much good psychology information. So, buckle up, folks, because it's going to be a wild ride. D and D, we've started playing Dungeons and Dragons. Mm-hmm. I think that's that was something we talked about on take one of this episode uh sometimes
1: our current events are international and other times they're quite local yeah absolutely only really affect us yes
0: this is one of the the very most local current events so katie is someone who hadn't played prior what would you i mean what are your reactions or maybe what would you have to say to someone who had has never played dungeons and dragons before
1: well i was really interested in playing it but it seemed complicated and then when i borrowed your player's handbook it looked even more complicated
0: oh Oh, so maybe to give people a frame of reference Mm. that's a a couple hundred pages long, I think, right? It's, about,
1: it's pretty long. Yeah. Thick, heavy book. It, it's
0: a substantial book, yes. A textbook-sized book. Mm-hmm.
1: A lot of levels, languages, yes. equipment. Oh, yeah. A lot of dice. Oh, yes. there so, are. So that was pretty intimidating to me, but um, because but, I've heard such good things about Dungeons and Dragons, I decided to really focus in on the first page of the Player's Handbook, which said that, you know, it's the most important thing is not getting bogged down in all the rules. The most important thing is just to have fun, so create your character, and it had a good guideline for mm-hmm. coming up with that pretty quickly, do the role-playing, and just kind of get the basics down, and I found that to be true. I've played twice now, mm-hmm. and it's been a lot of fun. There are definitely some things that I'm still learning about it, but... I suggest if you want to try it, just jump right in and and give it a try, because you don't have to know every single detail to have a good time.
0: Yeah, I think that's uh, something that I've heard from other folks, too, is they get a little intimidated by all the rules, and they feel like they need to know everything in that book before they try playing. And um, that's just not the case. It's a lot more, like you said, about just just getting that character put together and just trying the game. I think it's a lot of fun. So.
1: Yeah, it's, it's nice. I like the way that they describe it the creators of Dungeons and Dragons as collective storytelling and mm-hmm. that's certainly what it feels like and so far in the campaign that it is a group of people yeah. kind of telling stories together.
0: I've heard it described as, as uh, telling stories around the campfire without the campfire, which yep. I thought was a nice way to, to kind of say the same thing, but I thought that was nice.
1: Yeah, that is, a, that is a good way to describe how it feels.
0: Other recent events, you currently, or recently rather, watched Jessica Jones.
1: That's correct.
0: And a huge fan of it from my understanding.
1: Yep, I loved it. I will not, I was, I took longer than a lot of people to watch it, but Numerous people said that I would really love it, and they were totally right. Um, Luke Cage, who is, if you haven't seen Jessica Jones, Luke Cage is a major character in that, and his own series is coming out this month. I will not wait as many months to watch (laughs) that one. I'm really excited, and the initial reviews
0: look awesome. Yeah. So I think just right on the front here, uh, today's podcast is really going to be talking about Jessica Jones and kind of the intersection between Jessica Jones as a character and the show and uh, post-traumatic stress disorder and just kind of talking about the depiction of the disorder and maybe some just a little bit of discussion about what the disorder is i think there's maybe some misconceptions about that so maybe just to help people understand what ptsd is and then talk about the way that was depicted in jessica jones so part of that of course is that there's going to be some spoilers for the show so if you haven't watched it um pause right here at the four minute and 15 second mark Mm -hmm. Watch the entire series in one sitting like I did, (laughs) and then resume the podcast right here again at the 4 minute and 22 second mark.
1: I think that's good advice. Yep,
0: and and, uh, you will not be disappointed, I can promise it. Uh, Mm -hmm. And this is totally off the topic, but sometimes I like to talk off topics. I did this again now with another show, Mr. Robot. I finished this in two sittings. Oh, So good. There's so much to talk about there, a lot of mental health, but also a lot of unanswered questions and if you haven't seen like the whole series you can hardly even talk about it without giving a whole bunch of I words.
1: haven't seen it yet but I have heard it's outstanding so, so good maybe Okay, I need to get to watching
0: maybe a future post or a future podcast episode about Mr. Robot might be in the, might be needed okay. but, yeah. Sounds but good. for today I, I have to stay on track Jessica Jones so like I said I did watch it and I think like one or two sittings because I was so captured by it I thought it was absolutely amazing but part of my problem when I watch shows all in one or two sittings is I feel like I can't tell what happened in what episodes because I just, it was like two huge episodes. Mm-hmm. So sometimes I miss some of the details. So I'm going to be leaning on you to give us some of the specifics today. But <clears throat> from what I do remember, I absolutely loved it. And, um, Kilgrave. I remember, I think we talked about him. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, cause I'm a doctor who fan. I really like David Tennant. I thought the betrayal of Kilgrave was such an interesting villain, because a lot of villains, um, I think he was a little bit different than the, the depiction of some villains, and that he's not, he doesn't have the super strength, or, you know, uh, certainly he's kind of cunning, but it's not like a, the mad scientist sort of, you know, trope. So. Yeah, a
1: lot of his attacks on people are not directly physical, they certainly become physical yes. attacks, but he has the power to influence and control people by telling them what to do and they listen to it and so he can get them to hurt themselves and he can get them to threaten to hurt themselves to get other people to do what he wants but it's not the typical like you said well maybe not typical but more common certainly where they're just physically completely Mm -hmm. destroying people it's it actually I think makes it Even creepier that way, because it's not always obvious what he's doing. He's just kind of manipulative with a supernatural ability to do it. And one thing that's been interesting to me is that a lot of people that I've talked to, including friends who don't have any interest in comic books and haven't read comic books, I don't understand it, but apparently this happens. I don't know. (laughs) Even they like Jessica Jones. So even if you don't like comics, which again
0: why are are you listening to this podcast
1: (laughs) jessica jones i think it's kind of broad it's broad enough and engaging enough and i do think one of them is because the villain is so interesting and creepy and you definitely are motivated to see what happens as jessica jones goes after him
0: absolutely i remember two parts specifically where i was like oh what is happening right now just kind of diving into some of the specifics of the show the first is the involvement of Jessica's childhood home mm-hmm. when he uh, does he buy it and like move there? Yeah. yeah, that was I think that was probably the biggest one for me. I was just mm-hmm. like, this is just unbelievably creepy, is the right word for mm-hmm. it. But beyond that, I think it's a really what and tell me if you think I'm wrong here, but I think it's an actually uh, a really accurate depiction of a very abuse, abusive relationship mm-hmm. and kind of demonstrates kind of this power and control dynamic that you see in those sort of relationships that is certainly something that I've um, seen before and talked about before in um, my work with domestic violence
1: yeah one of the strange things I think is that it doesn't seem like Kilgrave even fully understands he doesn't really get what it's like for people to not listen to you so when Jessica is explaining to him that he did things without her consent, including sexual assault and things like Mm -hmm. that. He doesn't really seem to understand that. He can't tell the difference almost because, and believe me, this is no excuse, but when you are working with people who are perpetrators of Mm -hmm. this, often they don't understand either why what, what they were involved in wasn't consensual. And so I thought that I was really impressed at this take on it because they could have done it really wrong but a lot of sexual assault victims and people who have just who have been in um, unhealthy relationships or controlling relationships actually thought it was well done they identify with jessica jones they feel validated by her experiences and i so i think that alone is just a good reason to watch this oh
0: absolutely um maybe moving on from Kilgrave uh to just jessica herself someone Mm -hmm. who is suffering from a post-traumatic stress disorder. And, and very all right. in the show says that she has a post-traumatic stress disorder. Am I, am I remembering that yeah, right? That's yeah, that's right.
1: So that's a little unusual. Usually when we're trying to figure out what people are suffering mm-hmm. from, it's often they don't say in the show that they have a specific disorder or it's way off. It's mm, not the disorder that right. they have. Here they've got it right. They even imply through her conversations with Trisha that she's received treatment for post-traumatic stress disorder early on. They start off with her um, talking about using this technique where she names her childhood street mm-hmm. names, and you see that very early on in the series. And it's that seems to have been from a therapist, perhaps mm-hmm. teaching her when she's having flashbacks or something like this. It's a way to ground herself into a memories that she that were happy for her. Mm-hmm. Now. I think we should say that that is not a typical way of doing that technique. There Mm -hmm. are techniques when someone's having flashbacks or nightmares to try to take them out of it, but often they can involve things like being more mindful or they can involve um, refocusing on something. There's a thought stopping technique where you yell stop really loudly to try to stop those things. And um, so it's kind of in that realm, but I think this had more to do with setting up the story for later when Kilgrave buys her childhood home. It's revealed by the camera Mm -hmm. panning over the street names. And so it makes for interesting storytelling.
0: No, I think you're exactly right. Uh, Although just tangentially related to actual reality testing slash grounding techniques, certainly narratively uh, very engaging and captivating. Mm -hmm. Yeah.
1: Yeah, I thought that was really good.
0: So maybe uh, just to kind of talk a little bit about what is post-traumatic stress disorder um, from a very, you know, uh, psychological diagnostic perspective and maybe walk through how or why Jessica Jones might meet um, the criteria for this disorder might be worthwhile for the listeners, for our millions of loyal listeners. Uh, (laughs) That's right. First thing, uh, and I think, of course, the thing that comes to mind right away for folks when they think of PTSD is trauma. So you have to have experienced some sort of trauma. And I think sometimes... Uh, the word trauma is used a little bit loosely by folks who maybe say, for example, oh, I had to give a speech in my class the other day, it was so traumatic. Um, that would not meet for the, the DSM or Diagnostic and Statistical Manual as criteria for trauma. Have we, ta- have we explained what the DSM is?
1: It's probably worth mentioning sure. that this is the book that has the classification system for mental disorders. There are others, but this is one of the main ones that is used certainly in the United States by people in the mental health and it lists disorders and the symptoms that are related to that. It's informed by science. That could be a whole different episode that oh, perhaps think, we should yes, do. Yes, a
0: great episode. Mm-hmm.
1: And it's also informed primarily the main purpose is clinical utility. It's so clinicians have a common language for describing mental disorders when they're talking to each other, it's also used as a common language in research and clinical trials mm-hmm. so that everyone's kind of on the same page with when we're saying something like depression or post-traumatic stress disorder, that we're all defining it the same way.
0: Absolutely. So maybe just to ride on the coattails, what you said just said, defining trauma. The way that the DSM uh, defines trauma is when an individual experiences an actual or threatened death, serious injury, or sexual violence, either directly in person Uh, themselves, they've directly experienced it, or they witness it in person, or that they learn that a close relative or a close friend is exposed to that trauma. Um, That's usually kind of the typical way, but there's also another way that uh, certain events can be defined as being traumatic, and that's kind of in the the case of professional, uh, like emergency responders, uh, or police, or firefighters, or anything like that, and they can kind of develop um, the same sort of traumatic aversion by having repeated exposure to these sort of traumatic environments, even if they don't directly see what happened or uh, know the people involved.
1: Yep, that's right. So that's what technically counts as experiencing a trauma. And from that point, it's worth saying that most people who experience trauma do not develop post-traumatic stress disorder. And many people appear to be resilient despite experiencing these stressors. And so For some people, perhaps people who have some vulnerability, whether it's genetic or it's psychological or or biological, actually there's evidence of Mm -hmm. each of those with regards to post-traumatic stress disorder, they have a vulnerability. For example, let's maybe focus on the genetic aspect. And then if they experience a stressor like the trauma, they might be at higher risk for developing post-traumatic stress disorder than other people who didn't have that. There are also a lot of other factors that can determine that, for example, Um, coping styles people who tend to experience a trauma and then try to avoid thinking about it they're more likely to develop ptsd people who have more social support after a trauma who feel like they get what they need from other people are less likely to develop ptsd than people who are isolated when they experience a trauma and there's variability in all of that but those are some of the factors that kind of determine that
0: And I think another thing that might be worth commenting on uh, in terms of trauma is uh, I think there's kind of a misconception, and I've heard this idea, I don't know how pervasive it is, but that, you know, in the event of natural disasters or terror attacks or something like that, that, uh, you know, displaying this footage or what have you on TV and exposing people to seeing what's happening can actually... Um, count as trauma, trauma or a traumatic event, and lead to PTSD. I, what's your sense of that? How well accepted is this idea? I know I've heard it before, but I don't. I can't really tell how well believed this is.
1: Yeah, I, I don't know how common the belief is. I have heard that the DSM would not count that. It would have to be. There's someone close to you that's involved in Mm -hmm. the disaster or you're working as a first responder rather than just something that you've seen on TV. Again, that can be very painful, but that doesn't seem to lead to post-traumatic stress disorder Mm -hmm. in most people.
0: Okay, so we have the trauma.
1: So actually we should probably say Jessica has has two traumas. Mm -hmm. One of them is when she is an adolescent and about to go on vacation I th- well, actually, I don't know. Where, I don't remember where they're going. But she's mm-hmm. going on a trip with her family, and she and her brother are fighting in the back seat. And the, her dad turns around to yell at them, to kind of and yell at her actually, to get them to stop fighting. And he gets into a car accident, and her brother and both of her parents die in mm-hmm. front of her. So that's the first trauma that she experiences. Most of the PTSD symptoms that are depicted are not focused on that trauma, though there are certainly some nightmares and some guilt and things like that. A lot of the flashback-type symptoms that we'll get to in a minute are focused on another trauma that Jessica experienced, which is um, her relationship with Kilgrave, being in a relationship where he was controlling through his powers, even got her to kill, Mm -hmm. hurt people, and, um, and also had a sexual relationship without her consent. Mm -hmm. So she definitely meets the trauma aspects of this according to the DSM-5.
0: Absolutely, and I think, if I'm remembering right, there's a lot of times, so even where Kilgrave is putting her in situations where she's, you know, very close to experiencing death. I remember one mm-hmm. where he has her standing on the ledge of a building and things like that, and even that just by itself could be very traumatic, but, and she's experienced, um, I mean, presumably multiple events like that.
1: Exactly, and there is some evidence that people who have multiple traumatic events may be at high risk for PTSD, mm-hmm. for example, when you have um, people in military services with multiple deployments that can increase risk for PTSD. Absolutely.
0: So she certainly meets for the trauma. Mm-hmm. So moving on to the other diagnostic criteria, uh, the next one is re-experiencing of the traumatic event. And a lot of times this comes in the way of flashbacks or nightmares or intrusive memories. Uh, with my limited memory of the show and how I watched it, I, I'm can you think of any specific examples where jessica is uh is experiencing re-experiencing of her traumatic events
1: she definitely has a nightmare she talks to trish about that trish her um close probably her best friend and uh, her sister um talks asks her if she's still having the nightmares but there are also some specific times where she has flashbacks where Kilgrave isn't really there but the way it's depicted on the show is that he is there I mean even breathing on her I mean it's Mm -hmm. very vivid flashbacks and one that stands out is when she's on the subway and she's having a flashback and she um, smashes the glass by her so these are really powerful kind of intrusive memories that come up
0: Okay. The show. So she's certainly experiencing these. Then, mm-hmm. uh, the next one is avoidance, and this is when folks uh really just avoid in avoid any internal, external reminders that might bring up memories of the traumatic experiences that they've had. Uh, I think she certainly. I think I even remember some clear examples of avoidance. Um, right away when she learns or suspects that Kilgrave is involved again. She buys a plane ticket and tries mm-hmm. to leave right away, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: yeah, she tries to go very far away. I think it's Hong Kong. I think Georgia. you're right, yeah.
0: yeah. So I, I remember that. Um, so I th- And I think there are probably some more examples sprinkled throughout the show, too, where um, certainly maybe uh, would you say that I'm wrong in saying that maybe her use of alcohol is a way to avoid thinking about some of this stuff or facing the reality of it?
1: Yeah, it is depicted a lot that something will kind of come into her mind and, and that, pretty quickly after that she starts drinking. So I do think that's a way that she uses uh, alcohol to get away from some of the thoughts that are very distressing to her Mm -hmm. too.
0: So certainly a lot of avoidance. Mm -hmm. And then next we have negative cognitions and mood. So this can be just an overall negative mood, uh, just not feeling, you know, not feeling positive, not feeling happy. Anhedonia, which is kind of a loss of pleasure of things that you used to really enjoy doing, and then distorted cognition, so just kind of incorrect thoughts that you have maybe about yourself or about others or maybe about the world broadly. Mm-hmm. Um, I think there are just a multitude of examples of each of these throughout the whole show.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, one of the things that people like about Jessica Jones, I think, is that she's not chipper. (laughs) She's the opposite of that. She pretty clearly, and and there's some sense that she was like that before the traumas, but there's also a sense that this, um, her kind of being selective about who she's close to and her attitude, some of that is definitely exacerbated after the trauma. Um, The anhedonia part, she, you know, doesn't really allow herself to experience a lot of joyful things, Mm -hmm. and she doesn't actually enjoy Things like interacting with people and stuff like that, very much. She seems, you know, her neighbor when they try to talk to her, she kind of isn't that interested in stuff like that. Um, in terms of distorted cognitions, uh, a common one can be survivor's guilt that it, it's not fair that um, you survived when other people you're with died, and she seems to clearly have that associated with her family. Mm-hmm. And and so there are some like that, and in addition, kind of this overgeneralization of. I can't be close to people because harm happens to Mm -hmm. them. And it to some extent happens while Kilgrave is stalking her and harming people around her, but this seems to go even beyond that, that it's kind of the sense that it's her fault.
0: Yeah, oh, absolutely. I agree. I agree completely. Um, So moving on to to the fourth type of PTSD symptoms is uh, hypervigilance and chronic arousal. So just kind of always being on high alert uh, having really exaggerated startle responses to certain things, being irritable um, maybe engaging in reckless behavior. I think this is another one that's fairly clear cut as well. I think if I'm remembering right, the scene that you referenced earlier where she smashes the mm-hmm. on the subway, mm-hmm. I think that was kind of an exaggerated startle response. Am I right on that? Yeah, that's
1: right and there's another where she's in the um, police station at one point and seems to just jump when someone walks the room mm-hmm. so it seems like there are a lot of people really paying attention to details and getting the depiction of this correct? You certainly see irritability. She oh, yes. doesn't have a lot of tolerance for th- for people bothering her. Um, one of my favorite lines in it is actually when one of her neighbors kind of talks to her and um, she, Jessica's kind of picking apart her happiness. And so then the neighbor says, you're just one of those people who's unhappy and you don't think anyone else should be happy. And so you just pick everything apart, and she yells, you're a very perceptive asshole, which I thought was really funny.
0: Yes. Sanity
1: alert. Uh, fan- the Ratings on this. Yeah. <laughs> but I had to quote that because it's like she is irritable towards that person, but at the same time she recognizes that there's some truth in her bitterness about not being able to experience happiness and some of that being yeah. hedonia.
0: Absolutely. So so just kind of recapping the symptoms, you have that traumatic event, uh, the – um. Avoidance, the re-experiencing, the hyper vigilance, hyper arousal, and then just overall kind of negative mood um, or distorted cognitions, that sort of thing. So, I mean, certainly she hits all the criteria for PTSD. I'm almost wondering, do you think, because not only did they, does she meet the diagnostic criteria and openly expresses that she has post traumatic stress disorder, engages in kind of a, a, um, a pseudo grounding technique. Hinting that maybe she's had some treatment. Do you think they had a psychologist, uh, kind of, or mental health professional of some sort on the show, kind of helping? I mean, it's a pretty, I mean, in terms of popular culture, I would say a a very accurate depiction of post-traumatic stress disorder.
1: It is. You know, they must have. I I haven't seen anything on that, and should probably look it up because that I I would be interested in that. It does seem like they had to have done that because it's just so they had someone very knowledgeable on their staff and I guess one other thing I I should mention going back to the diagnostic part is that after people experience trauma they can have some of those symptoms and it's not necessarily post-traumatic stress disorder Mm -hmm. what the DSM suggests is that there has to be significant distress Jessica clearly has significant distress there has to be impairment and that means that having trouble with your relationships or at work or other types of things, she clearly has that going on. And there has to be some persistence of these symptoms. So if someone just experienced a traumatic event and they're experiencing this, it might not necessarily be PTSD, but if it persists, then Mm -hmm. it could meet for that. But speaking of treatment, so it sounded like she was not a very strong believer in the effectiveness of treatment. Mm -hmm. So for example, Malcolm suggests that she meet with this group of people who There's not a therapist leading the group, but there are people who have been victims of Kilgrave, and they're talking about their problems, and part of it is she doesn't want to do it, and some of that might be avoidance, but another part of it may be that she just doesn't believe it's going to help. I don't know what her experience with treatment was. It doesn't seem, if it did help, I mean, it must have helped somewhat, because she does use the naming the street as part of it, but obviously her symptoms are not fully resolved, or even maybe that much decreased, because Mm -hmm. they're still pretty severe. Oh, absolutely.
0: Absolutely. I know I don't – I've never – I've done some uh, trauma assessment, but I've never actually treated someone who is experiencing a a diagnosable post-traumatic stress disorder. But have have you, in your experience, I'm sure you have, um, maybe it's worth talking about just what are some of the most – empirically supported interventions, and I think we've talked about empirically supported interventions on the show before, but maybe if we have a new listener, Um, empirically supported interventions is kind of the approach that, uh, that we're kind of an intersection between science and uh, clinical work in, in clinical psychology. So when we're talking about empirically supported interventions, what we're talking about is going into the literature and finding out what's the most empirically or scientifically validated uh, treatment for the specific disorder that this person is experiencing. Just if we have anyone who's new or maybe isn't familiar with the term.
1: And at some point, we probably will do a full episode on it oh, because absolutely. there are a lot of details. But, you know, a lot of it comes down to things like clinical trials, yep. like like maybe people are familiar with med- medications and things like that and seeing which treatment's are most effective. And then the other part, which I think is really important with trauma, is making sure that a treatment doesn't hurt. There's sometimes yes. an assumption that any kind of therapeutic intervention at worst, it won't help people, but there's actually some evidence of specific types of interventions after traumatic events that seem to worsen things. So we will link to the an evidence-based website where you can see the list of mm-hmm. the different treatments that are shown to be helpful with post-traumatic stress disorder, but I'll briefly talk about a couple of the more common ones. One of them is cognitive processing therapy, and this focuses a lot on, um, frankly, confronting the avoidance about the traumatic Mm -hmm. issue so it can be difficult at first and sometimes there's a brief increase in distress or symptoms while the person works with the therapist through processing the trauma but the idea is to reduce the avoidance and really face that trauma and that through that you can see some symptom resolution. And so this is actually similar to how some therapeutic treatments work with other anxiety disorders on a very simple level. Trauma is more complicated, but if someone's afraid of a spider and so anytime they see something that looks like a spider, they avoid it and run away, it just makes the phobia even stronger. However, if you were to have them sit there with a spider repeatedly, eventually their body's anxiety would reduce and they would habituate to it, and they wouldn't be as afraid of spiders. And that's that's typically what happens. With trauma, that's one aspect of it. Mm-hmm. But another part of the treatment is dealing with a lot of the cognitions, wonder, you know, self-blame for the event occurring, survivor's guilt like we talked about, um, changes in the belief that the world is a bad place. Sometimes that can happen. So some of it involves some of what we call exposure by talking about the trauma and processing it and imagining it in some interventions. And another part of it involves finding ways to decrease stress and challenge some of the thoughts that might have come along with it. And another common one is prolonged exposure therapy and similar to what I just said that's where you're confronting thinking about the trauma, maybe imagining it all with the guidance of a therapist mm-hmm. who's really going to make sure that it's at a level that you can tolerate because these things are really difficult. But the good news is they do seem to help a lot of people feel a lot better. And so I'm glad that we have those
0: options. Oh, absolutely. So we're kind of running out of time here. Um, I don't know. In terms of take-home points, just to kind of give our listeners something to walk away with. Um, things that come to mind for me, watch Jessica Jones because it's really great. Uh, it's a really accurate depiction for post-traumatic stress disorder um, or depiction of post-traumatic stress disorder. And then maybe also just take a look at some of these treatments. And if you, you know, maybe it's something that you've dealt with, or maybe you know someone. Uh, maybe just recognizing that uh, that post-traumatic stress disorder is a uh, it's a treatable it's a treatable thing that you that people experience. I think sometimes there's a misconception of a kind of finality in it, but it is very treatable. Um, there. That's right. So, anything else to add before we wrap up, Katie?
1: No, but feel free, if, if you have any any questions about this, to contact us, oh, yeah, too. Absolutely. We'll be happy to send you more information. Yeah, absolutely.
0: Uh, just in terms of anything, that's kind of our, our open email policy. Send mm-hmm. us a message if you have any questions. We're always happy to, you know, uh, maybe direct you to resources. So, mm-hmm. All right. Uh, as always, thank you so much for listening. Check us out on Facebook, Twitter, or on our own website, o u n dot com Uh, You can find us on any of those places. Uh, Get in touch, let us know what you think, and let us know what you'd like to read or hear about next. Thank you very much.